welcome to Love Alexi. My name is Alexi Wasser. I'm your host, and this is my podcast. And my guest today is actor, writer, director, musician, Josh Radner. So you know Josh from How I Met Your Mother, Mercy Street. He's been on Broadway. He's written, directed, and starred in a few movies. Uh, I've watched them all. I love them all. Liberal Arts, Happy Thank You More, Please. Uh, Josh sings in a band with Ben Lee called Radner and Lee. He's not on Instagram, which is uh, all a girl really wants in a guy nowadays. That's like uh, the mark of a dreamboat. But he is on Twitter, though. You can find him at Josh Radner. And, uh, but it's more of like a writer's medium. It's more of a class act to be over there on Twitter. So, you know, I applaud that. Anyway, Josh is tall, stylish, handsome, a searcher. He meditates. What doesn't Josh Radner do? And if it sounds like I'm being sarcastic, I am so not being sarcastic. I'm just hopped up on caffeine and being earnest as fuck. Josh Radner is never not doing something neat and creative and special and woke. And now he's talking to me right here on the Love Alexi podcast. We go on a tangential journey as per the usual. We talk about porn, ayahuasca, meditation, writing, spirituality, relationships, a million other things. Side note of a side note, uh, I'm about to go off on a lot of things that I noticed and got into uh, this week as well as read some emails. So if you guys aren't uh, into that and you just want to skip to the conversation, hey, I totally get it. I'm not going to tell you how to live your life. Do what you need to do. I just wanted to give you the heads up because I'm about to go on a, on a fucking tirade of a diatribe. So there, you heard it here first. This week, no one told me that it was a full moon and uh, that explains a lot. I had a vacation at home. I did not leave my apartment for three days. I was writing something, and then I just actually was like, "This is great. I don't want to have to talk to anybody." I'm, I'm, you know, ugh, what did I do? I just had, I stayed up all night. I had many internal spirals. I picked at my face. I wrote. Uh, I, I went down a weird wormhole on YouTube watching vintage interviews with Cher and Dolly Parton and Tina Turner and Jane Fonda that were, that were conducted by like Barbara Walters and Oprah and Jane Pauley and Joan Rivers. I listened to a lot of pink, which is unlike me. And then I realized I only listen to pink when I'm getting out of a relationship, which I am. How dare you? None of your business. I am not going to go into it because it's not completely my story to tell. And I also want to give a disclaimer that if the guy I dated is listening to this episode, don't you worry. I'm never going to talk about you uh, in a real way. So listen, I'm just keeping it real vague. And that goes to his friends who might be checking up on me and listening to this podcast as well. Everything's going to be copacetic, totally cool and respectful. Anyway, um, but I'm allowed to say I'm getting out of a thing and it's sad and whatever. And I was listening to Pink and I have zero desire to date right now. I'm actually calling what I'm, what I'm feeling right now. And what I'm going to do, I'm referring to it as actively not dating. And when I met this guy that I started dating, I was like so crazy, madly in love. Immediately, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe it. And uh, I'm on this bonehead dating app, or I haven't been on it in a while, but I'm, I'm, I've, I have the app on my phone. And I was hidden on it. And I had all these matches from, you know, I've been on it for about a year and a half, two years or whenever I got on it. So that, you know, I've acquired matches and I've had messages between me and people. 
And I was like so dead serious about this relationship that I deleted every single interaction I had ever had with anybody on the app, whether or not we messaged or did message, didn't message, whatever. I went into the archives. I did like this deep kind of like, uh, I don't know, Mission Impossible style thing on this Raya dating app or whatever. So I am not connected to anyone and I have no desire to go back onto Raya now. But what I've decided is when I decide to not actively, when I decide to stop actively not dating, I'm going to continue being hidden on Raya so I know who not to date. Because the idea of it now at this point in my life and all the men who are on it, and I'm sorry, I've met a lot of great men, blah, 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 whatever, yakety schmackety. I'm being judgmental. So be it. Hear me out on this one. This is a personal decision for me. I don't, the idea of it just sickens me. I just can't handle this weird, uh, this dating app. So, and the idea if I met somebody and they happened to be on it while I was dating them, I would be upset. So I'm, you know, I'm just going to lurk on there just to make sure. Oh my God, that makes me sound even more psycho than I probably can be at sometimes. Uh, anyway, here's what I did at home on my staycation. When I wasn't writing or picking up my face or having internal spirals, I watched a lot of Vanderpump Rules like a fucking loser. I I was shocked that Tom and Tequila Katie are actually getting married and they have no money and yet they're spending $50,000 for their wedding. I can't believe it, the debt they're putting themselves into. It, it was just like, I don't know why I felt so much about it, but I felt a lot. And I also watched previous seasons, every every season of Vanderpump Rules to get me up to date. And it was it was crazy how like, Jax's, like the shape of Jax's face changed and the di- variations on, you know, different people on the show, weight gain and weight loss and divorces and breakups and cheating. It was just, it was interesting. Then I got to The Bachelor. All right. So I've been watching The Bachelor. I, I've watched the the last three seasons, two bachelors, one bachelorette. I don't even know why I need to explain that to you guys. You know what I'm talking about. Okay. Um, couldn't fucking believe what happened. Spoiler alert for those of you who have not seen the final episode of The Bachelor. I mean, unless you're living under a rock, I think all the information is out on social media, but I'm about to spoil it for you. So that's a heads up. I could not fucking believe who Nick chose. I don't even know what her name is. All I know is, I mean, last week I was talking about the book Codependent No More because I'm reading this self-help book or whatever and it's like a game changer about like making better decisions for yourself and breaking old habits that you learn uh you know when you're a kid with your family and what dynamics you participate in and whatever healthy and unhealthy mainly unhealthy and I feel like Nick the Bachelor should have read Codependent No More because he chose the one girl he seemed to never experience joy with I mean even the 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 cute uh, flirty Corinne had a cool family, super fun. She's actually a lot more bubbly and spunky than I wanted to admit from the get-go. Okay, I mean, I actually ended up liking her. I think she thought she was cute. He seemed to have a great time with her. Uh, Rachel was a fucking godsend. She was incredible. and uh, But he, he chose, like, the long-faced sourpuss who was always giving him grief, even when she had only known him for about a week. My God, I couldn't believe it. And then I realized his facial expressions when he was with her matched his facial expressions when he was casually hanging out with his sister and his mother. 
So I think that has something to do with it. See, that's why everybody should read this book, Codependent No More. It has to do with early bonds and relationships you have with people that probably stem from the relationships you have with your family. And I don't think, I think there's something off in Nick's world because uh, I, I don't support his choice, but it's none of my business. It's none of my, none of my business. It really isn't. But here's what I'd like to believe. I'd like to believe Nick the Bachelor originally chose Rachel. (sighs) Rachel. So incredible. I'd like to believe he originally chose her, fell in love with her, but then uh, so did the world. So did America. Okay, America fell in love with Rachel. But the galaxy fell in love with Rachel. And the producers at The Bachelor were like, sorry, Nick, can't do it. No, you want to be with Rachel, but uh, we love her, and she's going to be our first black bachelorette. Side note of a side note of a side note, first black bachelor or bachelorette? Are you fucking kidding me? It's 2017. How has this never happened? I mean, yes, I'm a white girl living in Los Angeles with bangs and no real problems, so what the fuck do I know? How dare I even say this? But, okay, let me crawl out under my rock and go, uh, this is insane. This is crazy. But, okay. It's happening, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm glad it's Rachel. She's incredible, and just a lot to process, a lot to unpack here as far as bachelor feelings and uh, and Vanderpump rules and codependent no more and life at large and Raya. Anyway, um, so I finally left my house for the first time today, and I realized how uh, much I needed to get out of there because all of a sudden. Uh, I was just like talking to every stranger I could possibly talk to about my feelings, what I'm experiencing and noticing, The Bachelor, Vanderpump Rules, uh, my recent breakup, all my thoughts and feelings. And turns out, uh, the other women I spoke to, they actually enjoyed it. I couldn't believe it. And then I realized, you know what? I'm not unloading too much. Human connection is great. This is as good for them as it is for me right now. I should leave my house more often for the greater good of everybody. Anyway, and then last week... Wednesday was International Women's Day or whatever. Another thing I'm going to call total bullshit on because, uh, what, why was Wednesday International Women's Day? Shouldn't every day be like intergalactic Women's Day, uh, all the time? I don't understand. I don't understand. And then there are two confusing competing ideas on the internet. One was International Women's Day. The other one was, uh, a day without a woman or a day without women or whatever it was called. And then we're supposed to wear red and we're not supposed to post on the internet and we're not supposed to spend money. So here's what I did. Late night, Tuesday, Aristotle got my podcast out so it wouldn't come out on Wednesday. Thanks, Aristotle. He's woke as fuck. He knows what he's doing. And it was really sweet because on Wednesday he tweeted a really sweet thing about me on Twitter about how like he's thankful for me being really honest or whatever. Just something really sweet for International Women's Day. And uh, see, I'll accept it when it's a compliment for me. But anyway... And I have this ongoing thing that Aristotle hates me. Uh, I mean, it's ongoing with me. Um, But now I'm over it because he tweeted that thing. But he didn't say he didn't hate me. But he was pretty nice. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to lean towards the the good part of it. Anyway, um, so Wednesday rolls around. I wear red. I get the podcast out on late, late Tuesday night. I'm living my life. Uh, I'm not posting on social media but I'm looking at social media, I'm looking at Twitter, I'm looking at Instagram. All of a sudden I notice all of these girls I respect were posting on social media. I didn't know what the fuck was going on. I was so confused. And then I realized, you know, again, not realized, but I'm like, oh fuck, I am so addicted to social media. It drives me crazy. The fact that I am, I have my hands tied and yet I'm completely conflicted because all these other girls I know are posting on social media. I didn't know what to do. I did one tweet, left it to that. Um, and then I'm, I'm living my life, walking around town, 
wearing red, bold, bold red, two piece. Uh, I wish you, I, I didn't even, I'd never, I didn't even tweet out or uh, Insta a photo of it. Not even an Insta stories, nothing. Cause that's how committed I was to not posting on social media for, you know, a day without women and uh, international women's day. I could not believe how few women, in fact, maybe I saw no women wearing red and I felt judged a bit by other women by my choice of red outfit, which was like, not a, it was like a, it's like a crop top fitted, uh, something that I was, I don't know. I don't want to talk about it anyway, but I thought it was cute and bold and I was just taking a chance. Um, anyway, so that is that. Listen, I've said my piece. I've gone in a tirade, a spiral. Uh, I would like to say, um, if you'd like to be friends with me for more of this bullshit on social media, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Alexi Wasser. You can always send emails to the show. Send those to dearlovealexi at gmail.com. And, uh, yeah. I would like to read an email. I got two emails I'm going to read this week. One's from Sarah. Sarah says, hi, Lexi. I've dated this guy twice. We met over coffee one time and then he took me out for dinner. And I must say that I got turned off when he rubbed his body against mine, touched other parts of my body, i.e. legs, waist, back, and shoved his tongue inside of my throat. Ew. I don't even know how I let this happen. Now when I look back, any advice on how to avoid this from happening in future dates? Should I communicate this issue to them from the start? I don't care that much about looks, to be honest. What I find works for me is to be platonic for a while and then progress from there. If I feel a connection. What are your thoughts on this? Um, well, Sarah, first off, thank you for tuning into the show. Thank you for sending me your email. Um, I would say follow your intuition. Uh, maybe take a break from dating, not to make you copy me or anything, but... Uh, I mean, why did this guy shove his tongue inside your throat? If you don't want to do something with a guy um, and he puts his hand on your back or and he tries to kiss you or he's touching you, just just like, yeah, tell him to stop. Go stop. I don't like that. I'm not comfortable with that. Um, definitely listen to that little voice inside you, your intuition, your gut saying, get away from me and like, you know, end the date or walk away or call an Uber or say you got to go. Be in a public place. Always be in a public place. Yeah. And you can tell guys you want to move slow. Or you can just have a friend date. You just say whatever you need to say. You don't have to feel embarrassed. You don't need any rules. You just say what you need to say. And then, then it's up to him to, you know, how he responds. And then you can go from there. But I'm sorry you went through that. And, uh, yeah, you just take care of you first. Jesus Christ. Um, I don't like that one bit. Don't see this guy again. Ugh, gross. Um, I'm sorry that happened. I've been in bizarro situations coming of age myself. And, uh. I'm, I'm glad you're okay. Um, all right. This other email is from Rachel. Rachel says, hi, Lexi. Just wanted to send you a little note to tell you, thank you for putting on your podcast. I look forward to each new episode. I found you through following Alex Prager, uh, a photographer named Alex Prager, who blows my mind. Uh, I found you a while back and I've been listening ever since. I'm a documentary and fine art photographer, super focused on my career here in LA and have always juggled dating and finally stepping into a relationship after being single for six years. Yikes! It truly helps hearing other powerful powerhouse women tell their stories about dating and balancing it all. It is really hard, so thank you. Well, thank you, Rachel. Jesus Christ. Uh, thank you so much. I'm glad you're doing great. I want to hear more updates on your relationship. But right now, I'm going to be quiet so you can enjoy my conversation with actor, writer, director, and overall woke hunk, Josh Radner. Now entering Nerdist.com. 
I have, uh, we're just recording. We're getting right into it. Yeah. And, yeah. Thank you for doing this. I feel so awkward because I've never met you, but I've been, like, saturated in you because I've been, like, watching all your movies. And, like, uh, I've just, like, have, I've almost had too much of you. I've had, like, too much of you in, like, right. two days. And Let's get me uh, out of your system. Let's get you do it. fully out of my, why can I not hear me? I want a little bit of me in this, too. Anything? Oh, Jesus. Holy shit. Let's get grounded in our truth with our free Chris Hardwick, Nerdist Water, living our lives. Okay. Don't look at my notes or I'll get really upset. Really? Don't look at them. God. There's a lot of drawings of me on I there. I know. Well, it's like, you know, I'm learning to sketch. Alexi so. Radner with a heart <laughs> around it. What is that? That's actually not too far off from the truth <laughs> of my life and how I operate with men. Because I'm like, you know, te- uh, teenage, uh, youthful, enthusiastic. Anyway, um, how do we even know each other? How did, you, how did you get here? How did I get here? Yeah. I think... Oh, no. Didn't you... I think you followed me on Twitter and then I, like looked at your thing and then i listened to that podcast you did with aya who i was about to do a movie with oh really or i think i had maybe just done a movie with her oh my god wait you looked at my thing your twitter thing oh what's my twitter thing just my twitter like your twitter i was like who you know who 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 do we have here yeah and then somebody named katie dale how do you say her last name dale about dale about because i I only know her over the internet so she's rad yeah so we, we became like internet friends and i only just met her in person and I was on her podcast, and mm-hmm. she had you on her podcast, and she kept gushing about you, and then I followed you on Twitter, and okay, and so I was that's like, how it all happened. And then I was like, I got to get him on my podcast. She's a but, cool like connector of people. Yeah, yeah. Um, God, where do we start? So you look at my oh, so you saw my short film? Oh, you like oh, that was the thing. You liked my short film, and I was like, Josh Radner liked my short film. I can't believe this is incredible. I was very flattered. Uh huh. Um, I was like, oh my god! I did. It was it was a modern day tragedy that film. Was it? Kind of. Wasn't it sad? I thought it was sad. Like in the sad. in a good way. In a good way. Yeah. You slept with the pizza guy. I slept with the pizza guy. Yeah. I did I sleep with him? I think you did. What are you laughing at? Okay. Cool. Yeah. Um, but uh, oh my god! Well, I've been like watching a lot of your movies. Cool. And uh, where do I even fucking begin? All right. Did you just get back from New York? I did, like three weeks ago. Like three weeks ago. What were you doing in New York? I did a play at Lincoln Center called The Babylon Line yeah. by Richard Greenberg. So yeah. you did that. I did that movie with Aya and Austin right before that. What's it called? Well, it's called Uh-oh. Effing People, but I think they're changing it to Social Animals. What do you like better? Social Animals? Well, I don't, I don't swear. Oh, you don't? No. Well, I used to, but I stopped. How come? Because the negative frequency of putting out those words? Or? Kind of. Kind of. I just, I, you know, I just thought it wanted to be a little more conscious of, I always thought like I was just doing it unconsciously. Yeah. So now if I do it, I do it very intentionally and very sparingly. So then it means something it when means you do it. It means something, exactly. When would you say, when would like... Like when you drop something on your foot. You're like, fuck. Or... When you're... Yeah. When you really, I don't know, sometimes I, 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 I generally just don't swear. Yeah. But I'm not uh, the swearing police, so go crazy. Like, okay, well, what, thank you. you. Do what you I don't need do. your permission. How yeah. dare you? Yeah. Um, oh, my goodness. No, some people get self-conscious when they hear that as if they suddenly can't talk how they want to talk, and I don't care. Like, yeah. Go, go, yeah. That's like drinking. Like, if somebody doesn't drink, and then, like, everybody around them is like, oh, is it okay? Uh, yeah, do you yeah, mind? Yeah, yeah. Like, wait, you don't drink, though, do you? I don't. Okay. Yeah. You used to. I sure did. Where are we going to begin this podcast? When is it really going to ramp up? Okay. Oh, so we have a mutual friend named James Kirkland. Is he your friend or is he lying about that? Or no, you... I like it. I love James Kirkland. How do you know James Kirkland? I know him through my friend John Morrow and I was in Peru with James Kirkland. What? How did you get into Peru with James Kirkland? We just went with a, like a bunch of people. Um, he's hilarious, James Kirkland. You, but you went to Peru. Like, how did you guys meet? How did you well, end up? I, I, I studied with this spiritual teacher for years who, I, who I'm not studying with anymore, but James kind of hopped on that train for a little while. Yeah. How many yeah. years ago? 
I just stopped studying with him in like March or April. When did but you start? Like when did it like start? Like six or seven years ago. Six or seven years ago. And we, how did you meet James? I have to get to the bottom of this. Through my friend John Morrow. Oh, got it. Yeah. Okay. And you're not going to say the name He's of the He's a spirit. great artist. Okay. No, we don't need to go into that. We don't need to. Did, yeah. you, did it end weird or? Um, they, never, they never end like. What? <laughs> you know, it was never. Yeah, it was, it was fine. I mean, I just stepped away, but I was very involved in it for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, he gave me a bunch of questions because I heard from one of my friends is a writer on the Goldbergs and he said, and like we're, I don't know why I'm unnecessary details, but we were having dinner. I said, he has a podcast because everybody in the world has a podcast yeah. now. And I said, you're my guest. And he was like, oh, he knows James Kirkland. So I texted James Kirkland to try to get the inside scoop of things to ask you. And he gave me like a list of random questions to ask you. Oh, really? You, which I thought were interesting. Are you going to identify them as like, these These are the Kirkland questions? These are the, yeah, well, now we are. Okay. Yeah, this is great. Um, right. No, he just brought up like. I don't know. I'm all over the place. I've not podcasted enough lately. I took really? a break from podcasting. I feel like I'm out of uh, out of sorts. But he, he brought up this this like you work with um, what is it called? Let me look at my notes. Don't you look something about oh the new drug? Something about porn, right? Anti oh anti-porn. fight the new drug. Fight the new drug. I think is fascinating because I have like a big issue with porn, and I feel like oh you do. Well, I mean, I'm a girl, so I probably get jealous. Like if I like find out a guy I'm dating watches porn, or I don't watch porn, but I feel like I don't know. I feel like something about it is. Uh, disruptive not in a good way this is like is, yeah. da- is dangerous and when i found out he actually told me about that website when we were in peru oh really he told Wait. me about this website yeah. it's called fight the new drug and i looked at it and i and i thought it was really great and i started following them on twitter they followed me and then they asked me to do like a blog interview yeah about why i don't watch porn oh i'm gonna God, I, I, I always love it. i always worry that this i'm gonna so sound tangential. like so square no i love like, it uh, he doesn't swear yeah, i drink yeah, and watch I porn what, a bore. Like, what does he do ayahuasca I do. I've done a lot of Can that. Can we please do ayahuasca together? Because I smoke DMT and I want to go like much deeper because that did not allow me to. But whatever. Let's yeah. tangential journey as yeah. per the use. But uh, whatever. We'll... Well, I did this. Yeah, I did this interview and it was really it was really great. Um, Wait, do you have sex? Yeah, I do. Oh, very cool. Okay, yeah, go, yeah, go. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 yeah I'm pro sex. There's this woman. I actually quoted this in the thing. There's this woman, Gail <laughs> Dines, who's this very big um, kind of anti-porn crusader. And she said crusader. saying people saying that if you're anti-porn, you're anti-sex is like saying you're anti-McDonald's. That means you're anti-food. Oh, that's great. You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, but that was something I like just always knew when it was in my life. I was like, ooh, this is not good for my really? particular brain chemistry. Like, it just didn't feel like it was a good thing in my life. And I also really think about like this generation that's growing up with like, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven year olds, like that's yeah. where they start getting introduced to sex. And it just feels like a like a calamitous thing to me yeah. to have your these kind of young forming minds like get those like grooves in the brain yeah. in that way. And I uh, you know, I have a couple of like younger friends who started watching it when they were so young and they it's like the kicking that is as hard as any drug. You think so? I do. Yeah, I, I do. Like, what about numbing? It's like it numbs you to, I don't know, I just think it it makes actual sex just less special or something and, and it's harder to connect. Or you yeah, have some and then you like, have like guys in their 20s who have porn-induced erectile dysfunction. It's just like, Oh, they ugh. do? Yeah. Explain that. What is that? To all the bonehead guys who are addicted to porn that I... Uh, it's like <laughs> you can help. you can kind of perform for you're in your porn uh, you know, areas but not in real life partner areas oh this also happens with like i notice uh i will meet a guy in person we'll be face to face we'll be having a chat and then later he'll follow up on like facebook like a weird direct message on facebook where he'll he'll ask me on a date or like he'll say what he wanted to say but he can't say it in person because everything is like 
I don't know. Everything's just so disconnected where people feel safer to be themselves or I don't I don't know, behind the safety of a screen and yeah, and, and interacting with people is just yeah. becoming more and more difficult. I mean, ultimately, it wasn't even a moral issue for me. Yeah, um, it is for me. No, well, I, no, I, I, I there are. I do it's think not. ultimately, like you have to engage it on a moral level and just ask yourself, like, I, I just mm-hmm. felt like when it was in my life, I'm like, this. I know I don't. This doesn't feel like the best version of myself. Yeah, you know what I mean. And um, and spiritually, I just felt like it was. It was harmful spiritually to me. Yeah. And and I wanted to grow spiritually or at least, you know, turn more of my life over in that direction. And with porn in my life, it was just like that felt like a huge impediment. Yeah. You know? Also, I even find, you know, I've been to strip clubs and I've, you know, I've seen porn sometimes, you know, just like you say, fuck spar- or curse sparingly. Like yeah. every once in a while I'll like stumble upon, I'll be like, oh, this is what porn's about. Oh, my God, it's pretty exciting. I had no idea. Like it's uh, it's intense. But uh, what the fuck is my point? My point is... um. I feel like, yeah, it was strip clubs with the idea of prostitution and also like girls in porn or people doing porn. I wonder, are they happy? Why are they doing this? Is it to make money? Like, it yeah. seems like it's not coming from the healthiest Did you see place. Rashida Jones's documentary, no. Hot Girls Wanted? No. It's worth watching. It was deeply sad. But, uh, you know, I don't... I, 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 <laughs> I don't know that people watching their porn, watching porn and people in porn are, are actually like... This is me at my best. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, totally. I don't know if yeah. that's like what, what we're, we're really, best. this is the best version of me. Yeah. And I also think, you know, like we're all messed up around sex and relationships. And, uh, but we'll I, get there. I feel like, you know, there's so much violence towards women in pornography and, yeah. You know, there's an argument. There's a, people say like, "Oh, uh, rates of violence against women are going down." It's because they can express all that through porn. It's oh, like, really? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I've I read don't know these about statistics, that but I, it all feels kind of nonsense to me. I just, um, I think it's. I think it, I, I. I think it hooks us. And yeah. I think. Um, I also wanted to kind of explode the idea that everyone watches it because I feel like as a visible person, uh, you know, that it, it it's worth it to go on the record and say, "Hey." I don't watch it. Oh, that's you nice. don't have to believe that. Yeah. You know? Um, plus, you're a storyteller. I feel like I, you know, I write and I love, uh, I don't know. I feel mm-hmm. like for me, I like to come up with my own fantasies and not just like have this thing just like spoon fed to me. It's like nicer to be like, I don't know. Right. Uh, make up your own. Whatever. <laughs> anyway, I don't, wanna, I don't even want to talk about this. I'm uncomfortable. But um, here's what spoke to me about you that I think is so interesting. Um, I love, you just seem like a searcher. And you've like, you know, I've been watching all these internet videos about you, uh, interviews you've you've had and uh i watched liberal arts i watched happy happy thank you more more, please please. um which one did you like better did you like telling better i don't know i kind of feel like liberal arts is a better um like more classically structured movie and it might have more um like uh satisfying kind of three-act structure kind of uh, journey yeah. to it. Yeah. And I and I really like a lot of that movie and I feel like it's more mature on some level, but at the same time I feel like I almost accidentally captured an energy in that first movie that yeah. is really appealing to me. Yeah. You know, and and I think I I I think both movies I really like because um I just think the performances are really good. I you know, I I like everyone in it and, yeah. I, and I think it's like it's nice to watch like people who are like pretty good hearted, like messing up, but yeah. trying to be better, you know? Um, I know. Like you did ensemble yeah. cast really well, like, like telling everybody's story. I, okay. So I like the fact that you're searching, even you, you had this, I've never seen how I met your mother. I've never seen this yeah, that's show. Cool. And I think it's, it's totally fine. It's when, 
we were trying. He was trying to tell me everything and tell, get to the bottom. I should. I should actually ask you to to explain to me the ending and the. I can't believe Bob Saget was the uh, narrator. I can't believe it. This guy must be a gajillionaire. This is insane. Yeah, he's, he's always somewhere he's doing done something. All right in show I can't believe I this. this is insane. Yeah, but uh, but what spoke to me is the fact that you you've been given this uh, wonderful career, and yet you're trying to you write, you act, you direct, and you want to be conscious uh, of your. I don't know. I just feel like you're you're thoughtful with how you're trying to go about your life, and like mm-hmm. you know, and you're not swearing, and you're you stop drinking, and you're make you seem like you're just trying to make a conscious contribution, even in what whatever uh, stories you're trying to tell, mm-hmm. and the work you choose to do, and the way in which you live your life with like meditation. It just seems like you're very you're not like asleep at the wheel, and that you're like this person kind of searching for the best way to go about living your life. Mm-hmm. You know, even with the fighting the new drug or whatever, just. I don't know. So that's fascinating to me. And I don't understand like how you got there because a lot of people become like alcoholics or drug <laughs> addicts or egomaniacal maniacs and, and they're very successful and they're flourishing, but they're asleep at the wheel and they aren't doing the inner work. And you seem like, you know, you're just like this person who doesn't have to, just like nobody has to do internal work, but you're doing it. You're trying to rise to the occasion. And you, right. And I'm just like, think that that's, it's nice because you're an example and you're oh, like, that's nice. and so you're like, you're in this position where you can be a positive example and you're using it to be that. So, I well, I think it's also, um, a certain degree of pain is required and a certain degree of like, um, what happened? Tell me everything. Well, it's not so much that as, um, you know, I, I, I did this talk in India. I don't know if you saw this I did. talk. Yeah. Yeah. So essentially the gist of that was like, especially culturally, there's this idea that like, well, if you get on a hit TV show, everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. Like all your problems will be solved. I'll be happy when. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's that everyone has their version of I'll be happy when. Yeah. And that was kind of mine. I mean, I thought, but then of course you get on the TV show and you're like, like now I need an Oscar. Like, you know, it never ends, especially in, in this industry. Um, and I found that rather than alleviate my problems, it, it kind of poured fertilizer on them. Like, like I just felt more insecure and more hungry Why? for distraction and addiction. And that goes uh, to um, porn stuff too, where it's like immediately like uh, it's just well, instant it's never, gratification. It's, it's never, never enough. enough. Yeah, I mean, yeah. any any mystical tradition will tell you that like the 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 pleasures of the world are your insatiable desire is never satisfied. It just creates the yearning for more. Yeah, and so then. I don't know. I think something about my dissatisfaction led me to start asking, well, okay, culturally, like uh, money, fame, uh, you know, access, uh, women, like all that stuff. Um, Stop bragging. It, no, it, no. It, 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 yeah. you know, whatever version of it you kind of decide to take in, um, it left me feeling emptier afterwards. Yeah. So then I could get about the business of going, well, what? matters like what and then you actually have to tap into like the timeless wisdom of the ages right where people you know the stoics talked about it the you know different philosophers throughout the ages and it's all you know it's this kind of thing of ultimately what you're looking for is to like meet yourself and meet god which might be the same thing yeah i think it but is. you know that kind of idea of um you know, the God-shaped hole, like what is... What's that? Well, it's like the, the thing inside you that you keep trying to fill with everything else. Yeah. But it can only be filled with like... Um, and I don't mean... I, I, I always, you know, I really believe in God, but I don't believe in old man in the sky God. Yeah. So 
you know, whenever people say, like, I'm an atheist, and then they describe to me the God they don't believe in, I'm like, dude, I don't believe in that God either. Yeah, that I, sounds like a silly Sunday school God. I, I don't like when, I don't like to say hate, but I don't like when people say they, they're an atheist because I'd rather live a life where it's like, who knows what happens if there's a, an afterlife, whatever, or if we're just, it's just over when we, when we die. But I'd rather like live this life in a more magical way where I believe in something. Yeah. It's like, you know, my friend, uh, Dion says this thing I always love. He said, um, that he goes, I don't know if there's a God. I just know that my life is a lot better when I act like there is, Yes, you know? Yeah. And that in and of itself is like, in some ways the only proof you need. Yeah. But, but I mean, I'm not, it, it was more about finding, um, something that felt truer and more sustainable and that wasn't dependent upon the whims of like oh, yeah. the, what the industry would give me or who said I was good or handsome or like whatever those things are that the outside thing. And you were living like that. Was there like low, were there low points and none of my business. And of course, you know, not to answer anything yeah. you don't want to answer, oh, but no. it's like, were there points where it's like, okay, when you were into porn for whatever, or when you were, were you dating a ton of girls? Were you drinking I can't a ton? Say, I can't even say, I never yeah. super went down the rabbit hole with you porn. Did, really? I just knew. <laughs> Not I, even porn anything. I wouldn't like, even call myself a porn addict. I just knew that when I, so when, he was it was, a porn addict. when it was in my life, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, oof, this is yeah. not good. But certainly I, I. Girls, drugs, anything. Did you go down any kind of rabbit hole of like things where you had like a rock bot, like, you know, end of second act I vibes? had like, uh. I've had I had bouts of realizing that like me and drinking didn't get along, and that the drinking uh, exacerbated the problem, not oh, yeah. not solved it. Yeah. Um, I yeah. I mean, I still have. It's not like I don't have hard days. Like yeah. I'm. I'm I, I don't feel immune to uh, you know the the shifting tides of like life at yeah. all. I just feel like I have more balance in terms of kind of refinding my center or something. And I and I also. I don't labor under the delusion that like the right job or the right relationship or something is going to like save me and yeah. alter me. Like I know that that's my between me and whatever. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So how did you, God, did it all start in Peru with James Kirkland? Like you're in Peru. Mm -hmm. You're maybe doing ayahuasca there. How well, did, how did, did wait, what is well, that? Well, what happened? I've never actually talked about this publicly. So you don't have to, we can cut no, it no, out. No, 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 it's fine. I'm not here to ruin I, your life. I, I don't, I, I haven't done it in a while and I, but I've done quite a bit of it. And, oh and my God, we need to get some. Where do we get it? We got to get it. No, <laughs> I, I, right I, now. I, I don't even, I don't even like promote it for you. I don't think it's for everyone. I want to try it. It might be for you. I don't know. I'm terrified, but I want to walk, um, walk through the fear. Yeah. I, uh, it was after my second year on How I Met Your Mother and I was really depressed and I was drinking a ton and really? I felt like my face was getting fat and I was just like really sad. And through a series of kind of twists and turns, I ended up in Brazil, on Bahia, in Bahia, on the northeast coast of Brazil. And I did six ceremonies with this Colombian shaman. And then um, in August, I went back with the same group, same shaman, but to Colombia and I did three more ceremonies, and I had one ceremony that was entirely about my drinking. Oh, like, really? Entirely the whole night. What does that mean? It came up for you, like, like. Yeah, like... I just had visions of. Um, I remember the 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 medicine kept showing me. Medicine, I love that. Yeah. It, it said, um, I just kept hearing this phrase. It said, "What kind of man do you want to be?" Oh my god! It was just asking me, like, yeah. like you decide. And then I saw all these. It looked like mustachioed, like slicked up '70s movie stars. It was like Sylvester Stallone, Burt Reynolds, like like just coming at me. Like, but they looked like guys who were like, you know, like hit the gym and had Corvettes, right? And I was, it was so repulsive to me. Oh my god, are these the options? Yeah, I was like, gross. I don't want that. And then there was like, money was offered. Like it was almost like everything was offered to me. But then there was a moment where I didn't see anything, but I could feel the kind of man. 
I just like that's my. Uh, I just uh, put the listerine respirator in yeah. my mouth, guys. Sorry, I, um, <laughs> I ruined everything. <laughs> but I could feel this kind of like more balanced, spiritual, humble, centered, surrendered person. Yeah. And it felt good to me. I was like, oh, no, that's the person I want to be. And then I didn't drink for four years. And, oh, wow. But I would still, like, go to Burning Man. And you know what I mean? I was just, yeah. like, sober from alcohol, but not everything I think else. psychedelics are different. Though. Yeah. I think I'm, a, I'm a fan in when it's treated with, like, some ceremonial respect. Yeah, I did. Know? I've talked about this before, but I did mushrooms for the first time by myself on New Year's Eve. Because I always feel like New Year's Eve is this crazy night where it's, like, amateur night. Everybody's going out. There's that frenetic yeah. energy in there where it's like we must have fun we must have fun and i'm like oh my god i don't want to be part of that I'm, I'm an only child i like being alone i'm an introvert extrovert i thought what can i do that's really special to make new year's eve special so i did mushrooms by myself and i wow. never done have you done those yeah yeah i'd never it's my first time but i'm so neurotic i like wrote a note for for the cops i like put it by wow. my front door i was like this is what i took that's your next short film totally yeah <laughs> i'm trying to put that in the feature actually but anyway um yeah. i want to ask you about how you go about writing your feature stuff with a put a pin in that okay. as they say in showbiz but um yeah so but it was this like ritualistic amazing thing and i had i had no idea how internal it was going to be mm-hmm. i thought i thought it was just going to be like did you take a good amount i'm so glad i almost i didn't think i did but oh my god it was so powerful and yeah. for me and uh, i thought it was just gonna, i didn't have a lot of visuals but i was just like weeping mm-hmm. and having these internal like tripped out conversations with myself and at one point i had like somebody it's like i was having a conversation with myself and it was like uh it was like somebody said to me i said to me you've come this like i have a weird relationship with my dad whatever mm-hmm. yawn but uh and the voice was like you've come this far uh you've gotten away you've managed to get away from your your dangerous father you're not trying to run towards danger ever again within i guess so it was like this message about relationships right it's like and this, I'll throw it right back to you. But I, you know, I I go through this weird thing where it's like, boring, healthy love is so boring. It's just like it can be uh, so boring, and yeah. it's like when it's just like, you know, calm. And I'm I still have that weird addiction because I'm used to that as a kid mm-hmm. of like being like, but I love you. Like t- passionate teenage frenetic frantic yeah. love is feels so like well that's what's because it feel you feel something. It's so intense. You're alive. You yeah. know, we're in this, and it's like oh fuck, like that's not the choice. I've I've gotten away from. I asked my friend, a friend of mine in New York. She's now married with a kid, and she had such this thing. Yeah, you know, just yeah. like ah, oh, the addiction to the drama, and the, who won't love me, and why I won't love yeah. me, and all that. And that's what she defined love as, right? And then I said to her, uh, "I'm worried that like a healthy relationship is just going to be like drinking chamomile tea the whole the rest that's of my what life." You said, yeah, yeah. That, me too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But she said the best thing. She was like, um, "She goes, I totally hear you. I had the same fears, but she said." think about this like have you ever tried to change your diet very significantly and i said yeah she goes you know that first bite of like healthy food and you're like oh like i'm never going to be able to eat this with any consistency and she said if you stick with it at some point your palate actually changes and you start craving the healthy food okay and the junk food actually is like kind of gross to you yeah and you're like i don't want that anymore yeah you know so she was saying like things that used to kind of repel me like kindness and a person who was like present and yeah. not an addict yeah. started to be actually sexy to me. Not an addict. Yeah. 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 I also heard a great thing last week. Yeah. Someone said, I've, I've always mistaken chemistry for compatibility, intensity for intimacy, and companionship for partnership. That is the takeaway from this entire podcast. Isn't that great? That is so great. And how do we... I mean, oh God, how do I put that into effect? I've got to like 
Well, Listen sometimes, to that you know, when you, when, you, when you meet the person, you're like, oh, my God, I can't, I, I can't get enough of them. Uh, move in immediately. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Like, all that stuff. Yeah. Like, actually... Instead of saying that that's a green light, like actually going, oh, no, 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 that's a red flag. Yeah. Like that's that's the thing. That's the like weird, unavailable, dysfunctional thing. Yeah. You know? I was having this conversation, this exact same conversation uh, a long time ago uh, with a guy I had met. And I said to him, because we had, I met this man a while ago and uh, we had this like intense Thing where it was like move in really quick here's a key it was like week one you know it's just yeah. like t- and i was like oh my god i feel so wanted this is incredible but i was also healthy enough uh, having done some work that i was I, I told him i go i feel like i'm being tested i know that we're like trauma bonding mm-hmm. i know this i feel like you've come into my life and it's it's like i'm at a crossroads and I, it, you are a test for me do i go towards habitual past behavior because mm-hmm. it feels so easy it's so nice to go to or do I go the other way towards something healthy? Mm-hmm. And I went, I so want to think that you are not the test that I'm supposed to walk away from. Mm-hmm. And because uh, it's so, it's also a difficult thing. I talked about this last week. Uh, it's a difficult thing to go, to have to walk away. Even, yeah. when, even when you know better and you've done the work and mentally you're like, logically, you're like, I should walk away because this is not the best choice for me. Mm-hmm. This is like a detour on my path. It'll steal my shine and steal, like, mm-hmm. take years off my life and like whatever. But it's so fucking hard to walk away sometimes from things that feel like comfortable, even if they're yeah. dangerous. I also, I, you know, I think there's a lot of like California spirituality, which is like, it's all good. It's all God. Say yes to everything. Yeah. And it's like, no, that's nonsense. Thank like, you. So much of like real spirituality has to be, I think, has to be like. No, like a series of no's for a bigger yes. Yeah. You know, like you can't, I don't know. I mean, uh, diet's a good metaphor, but like certain things are just better for your body (sighs) and they just are. And we're all wired a little different. Yeah. Oh my God. I I mean, like, are you, have you ever been married? No. Have you, do you want to have kids? Not with me. I'm just asking just in general because the girls love you. I'm sure. I think, yeah, I I think so. But I, I, it's always been hard for me. I don't have like a biologically like thing that's screaming in me to, you know what I'm saying? Only women have that, right? Not to gender stereotype. There are some some dudes who I guess have (laughs) it. Oh, that's true. I I think I played one on TV who had it, but I didn't, I I didn't have that. Um, Who ends up being the mother? I don't know. We Who's don't the mother? I know we don't. Okay, you're probably sick of it. Yeah. You were that depressed. Well, every time in. I talk about the ending, people get weird about it. They're so, like, yeah. why? Oh, because some mad? people hated it and some people loved it, and I don't. I don't want to have the conversation anymore. Okay, yeah. me neither. Yeah, I'm sick of it. Yeah. Um, how have you not been married? Uh, it's not. I don't, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I'm unpacking that all. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I just came from the the couch. Oh, you did. Yeah. Wait, today. Well, like a th- like therapy. You just came from therapy. Yeah, yeah I don't yeah. know. That's I'm why I'm all, that's why I'm all open. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I'm not uh, being evasive. Oh, that's why I'm gonna have to call you in uh, two days, you know, and, two be days like, and be like, "All can right, you edit that out, please." Here's, here's what we're getting rid of. Yeah, I know. God, yeah. it's fine. If it's only that tiny thing that I said was the major takeaway of this podcast, and it's just like a four second thing, yeah. that's actually very avant garde, Aristotle, to have like a three second podcast and be like in your face. It's whatever we want it to be. Um, oh, so you're not on dating apps then? If you don't no. like, and you're not on Raya? No. Are you? No, but Bob Saget is. But we're going to bleep that out. Sorry. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not out to ruin people's lives. It's not a, a tawdry thing. Yeah. No, no I mean, those would be bad for me. Why? Because they're like, because it's like, it's like kids I would, candy be, I would be weird about it. And I also, I wouldn't feel safe on them, you know? Yeah. Just, uh, I don't know. There's something. That, part of me would be like, oh, delightful. But it's not, it's not my thing. Would you, you know? be on it, but then be judging the people on it and yourself? No, I would just, never be on uh, it. There's, I can't, I, I can't. Yeah. Yeah. How do you meet 
girls. They're everywhere. Uh, yeah. What do you, you, I don't even know what I'm asking here. I don't know because yeah. I want to protect you. Well, I went through a nice. I went through a period of a while like where I just I, I like wasn't dating. Like I yeah. was like out of the game. You were entirely. When yeah. for how long? For Me like too. Like a year, year and a half. I didn't see you there. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. It was a like a year, year and a half. Yeah. Yeah. And why? I meant to go a year, and then it just extended to a year and a half. And why did that? Why? What happened that got you? Because I wasn't. I was like, I need to reset. I need to hit reset. Like I don't know what I'm doing. Why? I don't know. Answer the goddamn no. <laughs> no, I don't know. I, you know, there's like some things I really have, um, like focused on in my life, like with some great diligence and and intensity in terms of just. Um, giving them a lot of like uh, learning how to make movies or tell stories or write or um, I, you know, creatively, I feel like I've, I've gone to the gym every day and done that. And for some reason, um, this other part got less attention. Yeah. Even though I was always kind of seeing people and I've had long term relationships. But what was your longest? Uh, like three and a half years, which is not like super long, but it's long enough to say you're busy. Yeah. Give it a go. Yeah. Um, what do you run into again? personal and i do feel like i i I don't know i have to qualify these things but i also don't want to this is not like some weird like thing to ruin your life but uh what do you run into like do the same like do you notice that like in every relationship the thing from the other person or the thing you notice within the relationship is is the same thing do girls get mad at you for the exact same thing and you go oh fuck maybe it is me or yeah there's some of that but everyone also feels like newly dysfunctional <laughs> like oh, really? in some ways Isn't that fun? <laughs> i don't know i don't know um i i think that i've you know said yes to a kind of like revolutionizing like actually what i'm looking for um like what, but that's that? like fairly recent um what is that i don't i don't know like i um like not paying as much attention like looking for actual compatibility instead of like that crazy chemistry. Yeah. You know, which is so, it's such a, I mean, it's such a confusing, um, it puts the blinders on to so many things, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. Are we going to like cry by the end of this? I hope so. I just want to feel something. (laughs) My God. Um, yeah, no, I did the thing. I, I didn't date for like five months. I didn't, and I didn't. Did you learn a lot in that time? I did. Well, I mean, I did mushrooms by myself right i drove to sundance for no real re- i decided to drive there just on my own to be like i can do anything and like just wrote and hung out with my girlfriends and my family and whatever because i would always i'm like such a i have such a flirty personality or whatever i would always be flirting with someone have somebody i was hooked into someone or had somebody hooked into me and there's always some kind of like lily padding weird thing happening even if i wasn't in a relationship mm-hmm. and i just thought like i don't want to do that anymore i don't want to do that i just so i stopped flirting i stopped interacting like always having somebody i was waiting for like for a text yeah. from or something and i was didn't have sex didn't date didn't flirt for six months five to six months meditated went to like the shambhala whatever mm-hmm. all this stuff and then by the end of it i was like okay i did that i feel very grounded and tethered to myself i don't feel like uh, my happiness is at the whim of somebody else's attention or whatever right. but then i was also like I'm sick of myself. I'm fucking bored as fuck. Because I feel like one of the best things that, you know, people make movies about falling in love. And I just feel like that's one of the most exciting things. So to not flirt. I felt like I was dead inside. Yeah, but movies, but movies like only take you up to the point where it's about to get real. Yes. I totally know about that. Yes. You know, I get that. But even just like navigating my life, just walking through, like, you know, I, I just know. I don't know. I just feel like flirting and uh, doesn't mean I'm going to have sex with everybody, but it's like a, it's, I want to, I liked having I didn't like shutting off a big, huge part of myself. Right. Because I feel like 
uh, I don't know, being open to romantic stuff and connecting with another person and all that stuff is like what makes the world go around. And I was like, I was like, okay, I did it. I know how to be my, myself. But, but like, maybe, but, uh, but okay, do you want to get married? I think I do. But like for a long time? But for a long time, only eight years. Only eight years. <laughs> I want to have a There's baby, a get a divorce. The, the Onion had like an op-ed columnist who was like, darling, will you spend the next seven to eight years with me? Yes, yeah, seriously. <laughs> you know? But because I am, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I know that I wanted to be, I know that as a woman, I wanted to get over this whole idea where if I don't get married, if I don't have kids, I'm not a failure. If I age right. out of it, if I whatever, it's okay. Like I wanted to take that pressure off myself. Uh-huh. Yes, do I want to meet somebody that I want to, that I feel cozy enough to like have a baby? But like with? ultimately, like a marriage, let's Ugh. say, like a long term marriage, like I'm very selfish. it's going to be like very unsexy at very many moments. Okay, right? I don't. Yeah. Like I sometimes think, like, who do you just really dig? Like, who do you want to have breakfast with and just like roll around town yeah. with, and who you're just going to be like? Because I don't believe that um, relationships solve problems. I just believe you find someone. Who you're like, okay, I'm ready to take on the world with you. Yeah. And I'm ready for you to be a mirror for my nonsense. Yeah. And for me to be a mirror for yours. Yeah. And I really think like a good relationship is going to plunge you into some heretofore unexperienced discomfort. Yeah. But everyone's looking for comfort. Like everyone's looking for... Immediate gratification. Yeah. And... and Perfection. And to feel so beautiful and seen and perfect in someone else's eyes, well, which is good. an enormous burden to put on the other person to keep looking at you Ugh. with like the eyes of love that make you feel okay. That's, that's really unsustainable. Oh fuck. I think that's exactly what I've been doing. Um, I, I actually, I do just want somebody to, how did this turn into, uh, turn on me? Oh my God. Cause um, I didn't want to keep talking about myself. I know you monster. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm so good at being alone. I actually don't love doing the work and all the shit comes up and all the work has to be done with your mirrored by someone else. So sometimes I go like, why do I continue to pick myself up off the ground to try this again? Because it's so exhausting. But then I remember it's like, because when you find it, mm-hmm. or else I probably don't really find it. I find like intense chemistry and like right. crazy passion that's dysfunctional and toxic. When I find it, it's so amazing and it feels so great. That's why I, that's why people continue to search. But I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. So what's going on? What else is happening? Oh God! <laughs> I wrote a play. I wrote a play that is um, centers around a mushroom trip that's going to be done this summer. Oh really? Mm-hmm. What's that called? It's called Sacred Valley. Sacred Speaking Valley. Speaking of Peru, will you find ay- ayahuasca for me? Will I find it? <laughs> it's not something you want to do alone in your house. I want to do it with uh, James Kirkland. You gotta. You gotta find. Um, I'm asking to be uh, my drug dealer. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't actually think of it as a drug. I'm, I'm just one kidding. Of those it is medicine. That, yeah, I believe that too. Your play. My play, Sacred Valley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be done at Vassar this summer at New York Stage and Film. Where did you go to college? I went to Kenyon, where we shot liberal arts. Oh, really? In Ohio, yeah. Um, side note, but a side of a side note. Um, somebody like an actor didn't want to do my podcast because he was like, he was like journalists are the enemy, and I'm, I want to ask you, is podcasting journalism? Because I feel like it's like, you know what I mean? I just feel like it's like, uh, it's like press maybe, or it's like an opportunity for somebody to talk about themselves. I, think I don't feel like a maybe, journalist. Uh, maybe there are certain people that use it journalistically where it's like a kind of on the record interview. But I think of this as more of like <laughs> a, a sloppy on mess. the record free roaming <laughs> conversation between two people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's what I think. Yeah. I was just like, I'm not, I was like, I'm not the kid in almost famous. Who's like, you know, keep the journalist out, man. Like, I was like, what are you talking about? I'm just like some weird, you know, confused monster searching yeah. for answers. I mean, own. it is a little weird that we're in a time where like <laughs> kind of everything's on the record and we'll come back to, 
you know, like when I when I decide like, well, I'm, I'm actually running for senator, and they're like, you said you did ayahuasca on that podcast, but it was medicine. It was medicine, and it got me to stop drinking. Leave me alone. Did it get you to stop drinking? It got me to stop drinking for four years, and then I you dabble again, and then I started again, and I realized I can't really drink moderately. I'm not good at moderate yeah. drinking. What's your drink? What um, whatever. Whatever. I was a beer. I was a beer drinker, but I yeah. I, I liked wine. Um, and uh, you know, I'm. I'll take a scotch. Like I'll just drink. You yeah. know, and and I'm. I can drink moderately for like two months, three months, and then the next thing I know, it's like I'm. I'm looking for reasons to drink more. It's yeah. just And I have it in my family. You know, my grandfather. Like I have it. Yeah. And my sisters and my father like two drinks and they're on the floor like oh, they really? literally can't drink yeah how many sisters do you have two one older one younger does this make you like women more do you think i do like res- women and, like I, and I get them. uncomfortable when there's like large groups of men with no women I don't, i'm not a fan really like fraternities it was like oh what a nightmare you, that would be were you in a fraternity no no, no no not at all no um but just the idea of like the bro the, the fellas yeah. i'm like no where where are the women who are your friends primarily women or men i have lots of friends of both genders that's very cool yeah. very cool and yeah. i'm like okay so i'm trying to write something right yeah. now and so it's been and I, I wrote this first draft of like a uh it's like this weird mumblecore blob of a journal entry, like blog post bullshit thing and i was like well i wrote it there we yeah. go all these people make movies now that are outlined um so who cares let's just wing it and then somebody read it and thank god this one person decided to be real with me and he was like have you ever heard of structure there's this thing called structure let's talk about the hero's journey let's talk about like coming out you know whatever so now i'm like note carding and i'm figuring at the end of the first act second act how does how does the character change all the whatever how do you approach writing because i was like when i was watching liberal arts liberal arts and uh happy Thank you. Thank you. More, More please. please. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's the, that's the low point and whatever. And there's a, the, there's a choice and, you know, he doesn't have sex with the, no spoiler alert. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, so I was like finding the structure in your thing. It's, you know, it's subtle and it's beautifully done and everything. So how do you approach, because that's fascinating to me, how you, how one approaches, you know, writing a script. Right. I just watched Rocky for the first time and I was like, I can't believe it. He's so likable. I had no idea. That's who Adrian is. Like I'm like an idiot. I was just... <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to learn structure, and people are like, "Yes, Bonehead," that came out 40 years ago. Yeah, like, well, that's all, that's also like a very properly structured movie. That's why I was Rocky. watching it. Yeah, yeah. Um, everything is save the cat moment. The first mm-hmm, entire hour, mm-hmm. you're like, he loves animals. Yeah, you know, I found actually um, uh, Michelle Sater, I think her name is, who runs the Sundance Screenwriters Lab. Oh, okay. She uh, the night I won the audience award at Sundance for Happy Thank You More Please, she um, holy shit, she. She was really lovely about the movie, and I said, "I don't, um, I don't know anything about film structure, like screenplay structure." And she said, um, "No, your movie's beautifully structured." Like she actually pointed out to me that it 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 has its it follows structural it logic. Intu- is it intuitive to you, or it is? I mean, uh, liberal arts. I I actually um, found, and I learned a lot about making movies from editing movies. That's where I've learned the most weirdly because you end up mean? rewriting your movie. And you end up like I cut a whole 15 minute storyline of Jesse's friend back in New York because the movie came alive. Liberal arts came alive when he was on the campus. Okay. so my editor and I just we needed to cut anyway. We just did this 15 minute lift and the movie worked in a a totally different way. And it made Jesse a little more alone in New York, which actually helped his, you know, yearning to get back to the lost Eden of the campus and all this stuff. But I found that. 
you know, sometimes I'll think of um, like my new movie, which I'm hopefully shooting this year. That you're not going to be in. That I'm not going to be in. And I want to know why that's a choice as well. But go on, yeah. your new movie, yes? Um, it just opens on a guy's face is black and blue and his lip is busted. So it's like right away. You're like, whoa, what happened? What happened? Yeah. Right. And then it's kind of a mystery how that happened and all this stuff. So I kind of intuitively understood, like, start your character at a low point. I mean, it's like Jerry Maguire gets fired, right? Like, it's it's like um, I feel like I've, I've read enough and seen enough uh, that you intuitively kind of understand structure because it's what they're talking about in terms of hero's journey. Like, and I'm not even slavishly devoted to that, but what they're talking about is what we long for in stories the same way that like they did around the fire when they were telling tales of the hunt, you know, like it's really, it's quite beautiful, you know, like the, the refusal of the call and the tests and the ordeals and it's really smart and interesting. And, and, and there is something satisfying about a story well told in that structure. Um, and then you can just put style on it. Then how you change it is your style. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I think I, I just intuitively um, want to tell stories in a way that is like obstacle. You know, I studied Aristotle's poetics in college. Okay, go on. His name is Aristotle. Oh, that's right. I love your poetics, by okay. the way. It's very, <laughs> anyway. I learned a lot. Um, but, What's uh, up? It, uh, it, you know, it's all about action, obstacle, recognition, reversal. You know, just the basics of like... Or, or even I heard Mike Nichols say that there are only three types of scenes, um, seductions, negotiations, and arguments. Oh, my God. I yeah. got to write this down. Yeah. Okay. I thought that was really great. And okay. sometimes they bleed together like seductions and negotiations or they can all kind of overlap. But largely like just thinking like what is this scene? Is it a seduction, negotiation, or an argument? Yeah. And um, so all that stuff has been really useful. Uh, but, I, you know, much like a novelist who says like you have to teach yourself how to write a novel every time because it's a different thing. I feel that way a little bit about um, – I've gotten a lot better at um, cutting and I've gotten a lot better about uh, – Serving the story? Letting the, letting the audience know what the story is they're watching quicker. Okay. Like, like, okay, this is this kind of movie by page 11 or 15. Like, will we know what movie we're watching and where we're headed? Will there be some – because you can feel an audience gets restless if they're like – it's page 45 and we don't know what, what the, the hell is going on. Yeah, you know? planting all the seeds. Early. Yeah, yeah. 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 Even when I, I watched uh, Liberal Arts twice and then I noticed that you, oh, you planted uh, Elizabeth Reeser. Well, she's, Reeser? At the, she's the bookstore girl and then yep. there's Elizabeth Olsen. Oh, yeah. But if I'm saying the name right. I mean, at the Elizabeth bookstore. Reeser, where yeah. It's like I watched it a second time and then I was like, oh, there she is. There she is. She's looking at it. It's yeah, like yeah, yeah. And the little, con- you know, like they're connecting. Okay. You yeah, know, so anyway, just talking about setting up stuff and planting seeds. Yeah. And, and yeah. Anyway. It's all fun. Off. I mean, you, you, you kind of teach yourself as you go. I remember when I was writing liberal arts, um, well, I'll tell you two things. One, um, I'm always trying to find cinematic uh, moments because my tendency is to get really talky and over-explain things. And one of the things I do in editing is I cut out a lot of dialogue you because I've, over, I've overwritten my movies always. Yeah. And then, um, so, oh, I'll tell you three stories. I hope these aren't boring. Cut them if you want. Oh, but God. the first one is... Um, uh, Jesse goes to the uh, the kegger. Zach Efron brings him to the keg party, and he yeah. runs into Zibby. And then I, I I just was like, wait, what's going on? Like he's at this party, but he's wearing a tie. Like he's wearing a coat and tie, and no one else is. So then I was like, what if she just walked up to him and said, "You're overdressed," and like took off his tie in a yeah. kind of sexy way? You show it, you don't tell it. Yeah, and I show it, and then it's like it tells a story way better than any words I'm gonna do, yeah. right? Uh, or write. And then I also was writing that screenplay, and um, I kept trying to get them together physically more. Like I'd write, you know, them being physical and just something in my body was like, ugh. Why? 
Why? It was just gross. I was like, she was 19, he was 35, and he was in a college dorm when he was 35. Very hot. And yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't justify, like, it, it was like, I didn't know what movie I was writing until I got to the point where they refused to be that way with each other. And then that's where the third act twist came from, which opened, up the, yeah. which opened up the rest of the movie. So I was actually started listening to my characters. Another editing thing that happened in liberal arts is Jesse walks in at the end or towards the end. And uh, the bookstore girl says, are you looking for this? Because she knows that's the book he reads. And he says, yeah, every time I uh, am in a bookstore, I have to read. And she goes, the last three pages, they're amazing. Yeah. And then I had written, he goes, do you know this? And like, yeah. And they talk about another book. And then my favorite shot of the movie was where they, we pulled out of one bookstore aisle and zoomed into another and followed them. And it was gorgeous. It was yeah. just like, I love books aesthetically, what they look like. And Great job, Seamus. Right, that's Seamus. Seamus, sorry. <laughs> Both movies, right? Yeah, okay. yeah. And then um, my editor and I were like, well, what's the story? The story is they connect over books. Yeah. You don't need three books to tell that or four books to tell that. You need them to connect over one book. Oh, yeah. So what we did was we cut from that to the close-ups in the next aisle, but you can't tell because it's just the background's kind of, you know, out of focus. Yeah. And we just collapsed the scene and I lose, I lost my beautiful shot, which you have to do because you need to tell the story better. So it's like learning, like, what do I need to tell in this scene? When I, when the story has been told, like, get out, get out and move on. Like Ugh. it's economy, yeah. you know, and we get very attached to like, no, but there's that beautiful shot. Totally. Or, you know, that one line, which I thought was the key line in the movie. Like I cut a scene between me and Malin Ackerman and happy. Thank you more, please. Which I thought was literally the key scene in the movie. They were getting stoned on the roof and she was talking about her alopecia and he, you know, there's this line that Malin said where she's like, life is hard. And my character, who was really stoned, just says, yeah. And she said, and I somehow want it not to be, which I think maybe misses the point. And I thought that that was like the key line in the movie, like yeah. wanting life to be somehow. But it's like you don't really get the lessons if you if it's easy or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And I just lost the whole scene because it just wasn't active for the. It was a writing problem. It was like Malin was gorgeous in that scene. It was really a good scene. Is it because it didn't serve the point of the movie? It just it, it, it just it? like the movie had a propulsive quality to it oh, at that moment. Yeah. And then it was just like I took this detour to have two friends talk on a roof and smoke a joint. Yeah. And it was like it just didn't work. Yeah. Oh you know? God. Yeah. Then can't you take that note card and put it into your next movie? I mean, I don't know. You, do you know card? No. You don't? No. Oh. I do in editing. Like oh. like where there's the different scenes, we move some scenes around and stuff like that. How long does it take you to write a script? It depends. I mean, if I liberal arts I wrote real fast. Yeah. I I um I got the idea and then I went to Spain and then I went to Peru another time and I I just wrote one summer like for a month or two and I kind of had like a pretty good draft and then I fiddle with it as I go forever and ever and ever. Um, do you do table reads or do you send it yeah, to friends? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah? I'll send it to – I have a couple of like trusted readers and I also um, – I'll have people over to my house or, you know, do it at my agency where you just yeah. get great actors together and you hear it and everyone – it seems like most people are up to read a good script around a table and eat some chips and salsa. Yeah. You know. Pizza too. Yeah. People love pizza. pizza. Yeah. Um, um, do, and was that like an outlet for you? Like when you said you were like bummed out two years in how I met your mother, was that just like, you know, and you only yeah. have a limited time to like do another yeah. project. Well, our director, Pam Fryman, who I adore is really still a very dear friend. She told me early on, she's like, you're not going to get everything you need from this show artistically, creatively. Your, mm -hmm. your, your soul is going to need to do more. So the first and second season I started writing Happy Thank You More Please. I had written another movie called The Adulthood Project, which was... The Adulthood Project. I love the adulthood. That's so funny. I just wrote that word down the other day because I yeah. like it. Yeah. yeah. It was very chatty. Um, 
And but it got me some attention. Like I got a couple of meetings from it, but no one wanted to make it. They just thought it was a good writing sample. And then for some reason, I, when I started writing "Happy Thank You More Please," I I was writing it to make it. Like I actually felt like I could write something that yeah. Um and and we did. What do you think you're trying to say with all the things you're writing or gonna write or all the things that are in your you know? Uh, that's all changing. I mean, remember in um, "Happy Thank You More Please" when when. Sam tells uh, pa- uh, Pablo Schreiber, but Charlie, you know, every five years you realize what an idiot you were five years ago. Kind yeah, of thing. I just watched it last night. Yeah. And um, I feel like I almost put that in as a little Easter egg to myself to remind myself, like, maybe in five years or 10 years, this movie will look silly to you, but you you needed to make it, you know? And yeah. um, I think that uh, if we're doing some work on ourselves, like, we should look back and blush a little bit at our past work and actions and relationships and everything. I you, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like if you're actually doing the work of updating yourself, I think Muhammad Ali said something like a man at 50 who still thinks like he did at 20 has wasted 30 years. Oh God. Like we really, I think should be engaged in some process of like shedding old ideas, realizing that what we considered ironclad truth maybe is not as true or is a little more kind of uh, less is a little more gelatinous or something yeah. so um i don't know what i'm trying to say is like the latest thing i'm saying you yeah know? like my like sacred valley is about um you know it's about friendship and love and psychedelic mushrooms and the ohio state buckeyes and that's, that's like the, the story i wanted to tell that's yeah the play that's, and then i mean and then my poland movie is about your poland movie it's set in poland that's the next one yeah on the face yeah so that's um you know about obsession and and kind of um wrong love or love the love that's not sustainable like kind of like what we were talking about that'll be my favorite movie you've ever you've you've not yet made it's dark it's dark i can't wait closer is one of my favorite movies when i go on a first date and somebody asks me what one of my favorite movies is and i say closer they're like check please i gotta get out of here that's hilarious um but uh there's so many. I mean, we got to touch on a few things before you, we get you out of here. Yeah. But uh, well, well, we're going to cut most of this, so we only, I mean, we've only gone like twenty minutes. minutes. I know so. it's like uh, people can handle this. Um, and you're in a band with Ben Lee. What's, yeah. what's that now? What? Radner and Lee. Radner and Lee. Was mm-hmm. it a fight to for what? What the last no, name? No, no, it was his suggestion. <laughs> really? Yeah. What a great guy. He's doing the work. Just kidding. <laughs> the, the inner work. No, the, the inner work to put the no, not in the band. I meant the inner work. Yeah, totally. Yeah. To put his last name last, unless um, unless people are left with that. So that's actually more. Well, it like actually egomaniacal. I think Anne Lee is better than Anne Radner. Yeah. Like Lee and Radner is not as sounds like a Radner law and firm. Lee just kind of, exactly. So Radner and Lee kind of, the tongue. Radner and Lee has a bit of a like. Is it like country folk vibe? I mean, how much longer are we going to talk about this? I yeah. can't do this anymore. Yeah. No. Um, so you're in a band with him. Yeah. Where do we find this album? What's the kind of music? Cause it's, you, uh, you've got great taste in music, and I love your playlist or like songs you provide uh, via your Twitter. Yeah, thanks. Which is like a nice contribution uh, for cool people in the world. <laughs> thanks, you know? thanks. All people. Um, we have been really good friends for a long time. I was at his wedding in India. Oh, really? Um, God, you're all over the place. Yeah. Um, but he's just a really dear friend, and, and we share a sensibility and we have some overlaps in like how we were raised and um he's just a great dude and so we got together to write a song because we'd been talking about it because he liked what i did with words and i've always loved his music so i, I kind of thought that we would like i would do the lyrics and he would do the music kind of yeah. thing or we'd collaborate on lyrics and but it hasn't been like that at all it's been like this full-on collaboration where we're both writing music and we're both doing a lot of the lyrics together. Yeah. Um, but we wrote one song and we had so much fun. And the first song we wrote called Wider Spaces, he 
was like, do you have any um, melodies that have been kicking around in your head? Which I was not prepared for that question. Oh my God, but that's weirdly, scary. I was doing this play in New York called Disgraced, and I woke up in February in the dead of winter in New York, and I'd had this dream about this children's choir, and like everyone was weeping, and they were singing this melody that was so strong in my head that I woke up and like did a voice memo, yeah. and I sang, I got croaked this melody. Oh into, my goodness! And then I, I I heard it and I kind of sang it for Ben, and he loved it and started playing it on guitar, and oh that God. became our first song. Yeah, with this melody I dreamed dreamt so um then we i don't know we we did 10 songs in a cover and we're putting out this record when um we're talking to labels or we're trying to figure out the best way to do it because um i'm i'm still like acting and making movies and doing plays so i don't know how much time i have to actually dedicate towards like touring and getting it out of it yeah but the 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 record was produced by our friend ryan dillmore who's like did a gorgeous job with it it just sounds I don't know. I'm so. It's one of my favorite things I've ever made. Oh my goodness! So, yeah. are you happiest in the doing? Because you're so busy. Totally. No wonder you totally. can tie you down. And ben and I actually. We, <laughs> God damn! You're always doing stuff, and you're gonna be on tour. Your Mercy Street and whatever. Yeah. Yakety schmackety. It's like ben, slow down. Ben and I. Uh, we we, we had, he came over yesterday. We wrote a, a little bit more, but he said like he was a little bummed just because he realized like we're transitioning into that putting a thing out in the world which is then you come up against like commerce and resistance and it's okay. not to everyone's taste and so, yeah. you know or commenters like yeah. the commenters trolls. like troll yeah. like whatever it is there's always a little sadness in letting the thing go because when it's yours it's just like i mean it's like dropping your kid off to kindergarten for the first day it's like oh now they're gonna get they could get bullied yeah. or they could uh, someone could tell them a bad lesson and they're gonna come home and say a terrible thing to me yeah. or whatever so um i think that there's uh you know, it's a delicate moment, but I, I, I believe in this record. Like it's, it's, I think it's a valuable contribution. Well, that's, that's all you can do though. Cause the other thing is like trying to control something and you can't, you just have to let go of control and just yeah. be like, you made the thing and then you're on to the next thing. And I, and I also, out. you know, I've had, uh, you know, global, I had a global hit with this TV show I was on and I also had movies that went to Sundance and had very modest releases that then become like something that people just hand to their friends and say, like, I was really moved by this. I think you'd love this movie. And in some ways, um, like Ben and I were talking about um, that Milo guy and that horrible guy. I just read about him yesterday because yeah. I was like, I don't know how to say his last name. And he's, yeah, and he just, we shouldn't learn. But, yeah, we should. But, he just but, sounds like a horrible person. But 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 how much Unkind. attention this 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 guy who's just trolling everyone is getting? Yeah. And then you know. Um, People who are like talking about, you know, virtue or living life a little more consciously or not blaming people or not playing the victim, like they're not holding press conferences for those people. Too boring. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, so in some ways, like if you want to make work that is quietly affecting like people and opening hearts, you, you have to scale down your expectations, I find. I mean, that's not necessarily true. Like there are movies that hit that are like, really glorious like lion did you see lion no i liked hidden figures i thought that was beautiful like you know there are things that poke through but i just said to ben like the songs we wrote they're kind of you know our friend fred described it as the intersection of pop and prayer like they're they're spiritual songs they're like about transformation they're about um i like that that's great you know um opening up to the unknown and stepping into it and i think the album's really inspiring yeah and people have heard it agree so it doesn't I don't know that, you know, Warner Brothers is going to put this out and it's going to be on billboards. I feel like it might be like one of those things that's just a secret handshake. Well, also, I think that's really special because now there's so much stuff that exists, but then your people will find it and then the people who love it will really love it. You know what I mean? Like the people. Yeah. When you find your 
people. It's it's, it's, it's the kind of thing of like, would you rather? Have you ever heard that thing? Like, would you rather be a hundred people's tenth favorite thing or a hundred or ten people's favorite thing? I don't know. A hundred's a lot. <laughs> But you'd be the tenth favorite thing. I mean, what what more do I need? I mean, God, what am I looking for? I just, you know, what I'm actually trying to do, and this is kind of a guiding thing, is like I'm trying to make people's favorite movie. Oh, are you? I am. I want people, but but I want it to be mine. Your next one is gonna be my favorite movie. Exactly. Go on. But I want it to be my favorite thing. Yeah. So I'm trying to, um, if I don't see on the landscape, like, wow, I could really. Use a movie about a guy in Poland whose face is bashed in for loving the wrong woman. Like, oh. I want to see, you know, I'll, I have to make it because no one else is going to make it. Oh, yeah. Oh, I talk about this with director, writer friends of mine where it's like some of them don't give a fuck about the audience. They don't care about the audience. They want to make what they want to make. I think that's a mistake. Make. Well, yeah. Well, that, there you go. And that's how you're going to approach your work, you know. Yeah. But then I talk and then and then uh, and also like I really loved Anomalisa. But when I watched Anomalisa, I was like. I wish it was sadder because I oh, want, really? I want, I want really intense sadness. I want to be the butt of the joke or, or make people go like feel less alone. I want, I just like dark, dark stuff. It's super raw. So I wanted it to be even darker. So then, you know, somebody said to me, well, well then make it like you have to make it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we only have limited time. There are a few more things I want to touch upon, not to be rushed and frantic and crazed, but uh, like, I want you to tell me, Oh, have you seen wings of desire? Yeah. Years ago. Did you like that movie? I did. Do you remember it? I do. You barely remember. <laughs> I should rewatch it. I own it. You do? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll stop bragging <laughs> about owning the movie. I just love that movie. Um, okay. Why does this is to, we're jumping jumping off because I want to touch on this important like in a major way. Why is meditation so completely important to you? Like if some like young youngster uh, or anybody is listening and they're gonna and they put you on a pedestal, they learn from you, like you're mm-hmm. like a big brother kind of vibe thing, like. What advice would you give them? And, and I feel like meditation is such a big part of your life. Like, why would that be important to? Because we're all mentally insane. Yeah? Yeah. There's a, uh, I think if you really start to self-observe, like just get quiet, you'll see that you're insane and that you're hot, you're cold, you love her, you don't love her. I want this. I don't want that. Um, uh, you know, I, I want to live here. I don't, I want to live there. Like it's all competing voices in your head. So, but there's something. See, we think our thoughts are us, but then who's who's the part that goes? Wow, look at those thoughts. Untethered soul. Have you read that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, who's the witness? Who's watching it? So, you know, we're we're like we've all got this insane asylum going on in our above our neck, and you know, it's hard. Sometimes I don't want to meditate. Sometimes I don't do it. How often do you do it? Oh, I try to do at least once a day. For how long? 20 to 30 minutes. 20 to 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And you do, what is it, Vedic? How do you say it? Yeah, Vedic or TM, whatever. Yeah, same, the, same, same thing. I don't even know. The... You get a mantra and just the mantra kind of settles the mind. Where do I get my mantra? You got to get kind of initiated. It's annoying. Really? I've got to go yeah. to oh, David go to like Lynch Foundation? David, exactly. Did you read his book? You, I did. I liked it. I like it too. I, yeah. I have it on tape Yeah. or whatever, audible. And it's just so funny because he's Do you know about like Byron Katie? Like, yes, I have her book. Isn't it about... Uh, Loving what is? Yes. And I have to do that all the time going... Is it true? Yeah. I go, this is what they said to me. And then I have the whole storyline I put on top of a thing, which is where I get into trouble. Yeah. And I've got to, you know, yes. Why did you bring that up? I just did this five-day silent retreat with her in Ojai. You did? And it was really profound. Yeah. I, I tried to read that book like three times and I was like, eh. And then for some reason, she just uh, a bunch of friends recommended that, 
her and I, it just opened up for me. I just loved what she's doing. Yeah, I love the message. I like audiobooks because, yeah. but I didn't like that audiobook because there was a lot of, yeah. and I was like, get out of here. I can't do this. <laughs> I was so irritated. Like I couldn't even, I should have meditated before that. She was like eating while she did the. No, audiobook? there was just too much like dry mouth happening, uh, oh. and she was like, "I'm listening to an audiobook of hers right now, and I'm not getting any of that." You will now. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just. What's the one you're listening to now? I don't know what it's called. So the so takeaway yeah. is meditate because it's good for you. Well, I think it's essential if you if you um, want to um, kind of transcend your story. I think in some ways, a lot of people don't like. I'm noticing how addicted we are to our story and our point of view and our side. You know. You can see it. I, I, um, if anyone is listening, Google Byron Katie, I'm afraid of Trump. Or I, I fear Trump. Byron Katie Trump. Yeah. It's unbelievable. She works with this woman who hates and loathes and fears Donald Trump so much. And she just asks her all these. She just puts it through inquiry. She just asks her a bunch of questions. Yeah. And it's 37 minutes long and it's genius. It's genius. Yeah. Um, so, you know, even... You know, the left thinks they're right. The right thinks they're right. The everyone thinks they're right, and that's um, that's where war happens. It's but it starts inside, you know. Uh, I was getting my nails done. Sure, they look great as we do. Thank you very much. Um, and my manicurist was like doing my nails. You know, there's potential for her to like cut me at any moment. You know, she's in the position of power, and she's telling me we're talking about who she voted for, and she tells me she voted for Trump. And in that moment, I'm like, all right, well, she could hurt. I'm not going to. And I just listened to her and she told me why she voted for him and everything. And I just felt like it wasn't in. It's not the way to be like, how could you do this? I can't believe it. And this is why he's horrible. I was just like, well, I'm just going to listen because I feel like that's where any kind of, you know, that's where you bridge the gap. Where it's 100%. like that's where you have the conversation as opposed to like, oh, I'm going to be right on Facebook and yell at you. Yeah. And, and like, because it just doesn't help anything. Right. Like. I like I have a lot of opinions. Yeah. I just don't like tweet them out all the time yeah. because I also I also question like, do I really believe that? And do I really want to send however many people like my thought of the day about Steve Bannon? Like, I just don't know that that's the contribution I want to make. Like, I would rather, you know, I tweeted like a Herman Hess quote that was really meaningful that I just like, this feels like something I want to share. Do you ever date you know? anybody who's as smart as you that can keep up with you? You can't even answer that because anybody listening who's ever loved you or had sex with you or made out with you will be like, he's talking about me and I can't believe it. <laughs> it's true. Don't you think? I'm a woman. I know we're, we're multifaceted. But we listen to all the podcasts. I don't know what you've reduced me to speechlessness. Okay. I'm just saying like you quote a lot of, you know, you I'm, I, 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 I do <laughs> remember things and I'm able to quote things and that but is I mean, a superpower of mine. But you're, you know. But I'm deficient in other ways. Well, I'm sure. I hope so. But I mean, me too. Definitely Aristotle. I mean, my sound engineer. He's but, not, uh, <laughs> not furiously. But uh, I mean, don't you, I don't know. I would just wonder if what it's like to be you and to date somebody and I wonder if... Uh, you have a meeting of the minds or if that's difficult to find. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. <laughs> There's no way you can actually. <laughs> but I have to say that there are, um, there are smart women that exist that are wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there, they are. That's a thing. Um, next 10 years, what's happening for you? The play, the album. Tell me all the stuff. Where are you? Married kids? What? Oh, I don't know. I have a, like, I was actually talking about this with someone 
recently that like whenever I get asked those questions, I always feel like if you ask me in college, like where do you see the next 10 or 20 years, I feel like I would have come up with something like way less interesting oh, than yeah. what actually happened. Yeah. So I, I, I feel like I would l- like it would just be a little safer or something. I don't I don't know that it would um, it would be the thing that I, I don't know. I'm so fascinated by the the little twists and turns of things that yeah. that are like wow I did not see that coming yeah right? that's exciting and and um and I and I feel like whatever cosmic intelligence has a has a bigger um kind of more interesting narrative going on than the one I would come up with well, yeah. so my job is to like meditate show up yeah um follow the kind of inspiration like joy like like um I don't did you sign up for my muse letter. No, it's but just, I will. Okay. We all will. Yeah, it's a it's a monthly newsletter I do where I recommend things. I write a little essay. Yeah, it's your Lenny letter. Exactly. But you've been doing it longer. Okay, go on. I don't know that I've been doing it longer than okay, Lenny. Tell letter. me about but, it. Um, but I um, wait. Why did I bring that up? I think I just wanted oh, everyone no. to sign up. No, what, what was it? Well, that's a, that's true and honest. Um, no, you're saying uh, you you know you meditate. You're going to get out of your own way. You're going to oh, yeah. let life flow. I was thinking about just um, using like joy, like true kind of heart opening joy as a GPS. Oh, like that's good. like where I That's why you're here. Yeah. You're feeling it now, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> but like making music with Ben, writing a muse letter. I sold a book, so I'm trying to write that, although that's hard. What? What's that about? It's gonna be like essay ish. It's about me. Can it's I have a, one essay dedicated to me? Yeah, after this. The girl with know. the funny face who uh I talked a lot, made the show about her when I was, you know. <laughs> it's a long title. That's a long title. Okay, well, people love that. It's, it's unique. Okay, yeah. go on. Sorry, yeah. Um, Short stories? No, not, it's going to be nonfiction. I mean, it's just kind of musings, spiritual, you know, musings about life. But I don't even know what it is. I'm, I'm figuring it out right now. But anyway, I'm saying, like, I find the thing that feels like this makes me want to get out of bed in the morning and work on it. And I find that if I follow that and do that, interesting things i meet interesting people because of it i i mean just writing and directing two movies i had all these friends i met all these amazing people i had this crew that i love some of whom worked on both movies jade like healy i'm friends jade with one of them healy, she's amazing terrific. totally and production babe. designer yeah. extraordinaire very cool um so uh yeah i just i just am trying to follow that little pilot light of i don't that's not the right word but you know what i mean cut that <laughs> um why do we need to have relationships why do we keep going towards them isn't it nice to be alone and just in the doing and not having to accommodate somebody else or find a balance with another person because that's what i'm struggling with right go i'm so good at being alone it's completely possible to be alone uh but you're not actually alone even if you're never alone alone. you're not alone but i mean in relation i mean romantic relationship right like why is that is that is that because that's where you can really truly experience god whatever that means if you like in transcendence is via love maybe a healthy love maybe do you know uh, the, the, the like, um, Kabbalistic theory of uh, – wait, no, it's more Vedic. This is more like a, a Vedic idea. I didn't go to college, but I want to oh, understand okay. you. So tell me the stuff. This is, this is like so, – so, so picture before any creation, it's just like light. Like just that's all it was, was just like eternal light, love, nothing, no bar- barriers, boundaries, nothing. And then God, for lack of a better word, gets restless – and wants to experience itself. So what it needs to do is contract that light and then into, explode okay. into form. 
Is that you and me? No, that's well, that's everyone. Okay. That's also this microphone and table. Oh. So like every that's the cosmic big bang, right? Like everything gets exploded and everything. But what happens is that essentially, and this is just one theory, that God forgets that it did it. So God becomes has amnesia about its true self. So you're a little God and I'm a little God. And so God gets to know itself progressively, slowly, um, as itself through, uh, through other and difference through other, otherizing itself. Right. But it's all just one thing anyway. That's what the Indian concept of Advaita is, you know, non-duality. Right. So we're, it's just, everything is essentially God getting to know itself as God. So I am the Alexi experience for God. Yes. God is experiencing itself yes. through me having my journey. You're having your journey. Yes. I don't know what's going on with you. God, it's like but... God longed to experience everything from every possible angle. Now, some of this gets tricky because you say, wait, um, God wanted to be a pedophile. Like, you, you know what I mean? Like there has to be some sense that, that um, there is some difference between God and us because I don't believe that God like rubber stamps everything and is like, that sounds like a great idea. Yeah. You know, like yeah. it's not that way. So that's just, a, that's just a kind of thought experiment. Like I don't know that there's any sort of – we're never going to conclusively prove like how did this start? What's the point of it all? And yeah. I think if anyone tells you like this is the point of it all, it's like go run the other way yeah. because – Well, if somebody calls himself Buddha, run, right? Well, that's if you meet the Buddha on the road, kill him. That's what yeah. I meant. Okay. Yeah. That's what I was just my distilled way of doing it. Um, well, that's why I love the movie Wings of Desire because I feel like that's – I watch this movie and that's how I feel – that's already how I felt about life that it's like – I don't know that we come and we, we are – you know, we are – god and we come we jump down and we on this earth to have this experience to learn something and it's very difficult and we're learning lessons and that uh and and that we are all god and like that's why when you quiet yourself and you you meditate it's it you 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 tune in more to your intuition which is god's telling you like guiding you that's right but i think also that the 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 quiet voice of uh, like reason and kindness and virtue and compassion and mercy and all that stuff that lives in us, like that feels like God, like 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 a eternal light that will never go out. But all the madness and the crazy and the hurt and the wound and the blame and the victim and the perpetrator and all that stuff, I don't believe that that is. I feel like that's what we have to work on. Uh, you know, connecting with the the other part of ourselves so that we can um, take the charge out of those other things and turn them over and transform them into. The, something you know more useful and kind what are those things if not god what are that's those ego. things that's ego but is, yeah. he, is that like the devil if, if there's like god and the devil there or something? are that there that is a theory you I know mean, that, that that some people think they're synonymous but but the ego is um always fighting for separation and its own identity and to keep me separate from you and um you know you're like me you're not like me it's always uh, approving disapproving mm-hmm. You know, you know what I mean? That voice that's always like sizing things up and making people wrong and making some people right and who's safe, who's not. And I suppose, you know, it had or has its uses, but but ultimately it's going to get in the way of like really opening up to something really big and beautiful. Well, this is where I get confused because I have done so much therapy, so much work, so many self-help tapes, all this stuff. And I like, and I speak in this language of like, you know, uh, consciousness and blah, blah, blah. But I wonder if sometimes I think I know everything and I know I don't. And that's even thinking that like, so when I meet a new person, because I go, I've done all the work. I know all this stuff. I'm on the right track. Who are you? And then I size up. But really, it's my ego coming through. So even if, let's say, I meet a person and it's a bit toxic or bizarre or they're not – they're imperfect and they're, they're flawed as everybody is. But And I look at them and I go, I'm being given a, 
I'm being tested. Do I go towards you or away from you because you are bad for me? Ultimately, though, on a mushroom trip, I had this realization on that one time where I, I, I had the moment where I said, I'm running from danger. But then I had another realization where I went, nobody is dangerous to me. Because nobody has power over me, and it's like ultimately, like everybody is safe. That was like right, but you were also in an, in, a, in an amplified state of consciousness that you you had some ego transcendence, mm-hmm. where from that place, what you were feeling is true. Because but nobody's dangerous. Nobody's dangerous because nothing can attach to you. Yeah, because you don't feel um, you're not so hooked into story. Like you're not even you you transcended self on My, some level. Oh, that's good, right? But then you come back, you contract, you come back, and then you're like, well. I still have these things. So does that mean there are toxic people to avoid or people that yes, are not on the same frequency so. that you should? Cause I you think want so. Yeah. I think, I think psychedelics are a sneak preview. That's what I think of them as. Okay. It's a, it's a window into possibility of like, and then you, you can, you can take jewels back from it. You know, Terrence McKenna had this great thing about, um, when you, 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 we go out onto the high seas of the psyche with psychedelics and we lower our nets and we're fishing for ideas, but we're not, we're not, we don't want a, like a thing that's so big, it's going to sink our boats. And we don't want like little, um, minnows that are useless, like little ideas, like your pinky fits perfectly into your nostril. Yeah, but, but, it we, does. but he said, we're looking for middle sized fish, yeah. middle sized fish, which are usable that we can take back to the folks on shore and have fish dinner, yeah. you know, something nourishing. And I think, you know, what, what they're useful for. And I think they can also like anything else can be misused and abused, but at their best, they're, they're useful for showing you that there is another way, another level of consciousness where you are not hooked by story. You are not hooked by your wounds. And in that space, I've never had like a good psychedelic experience that hasn't delivered me reliably into my heart and made me feel like I am not, I am not shamed or broken or wrong. I am, uh, you know, a kind, uh, like my heart is untouched by all the muck. You know, there's a part of my heart that is just so pure and so um, good and just longs to be of service and just, you know, longs to not be hooked by story and belief and thought, but is just, uh, you know, in service to whatever the big thing is, you know? Oh my goodness. Well, I don't even know how to get even deeper than that. I know that we've got... We've got Pete Holmes coming in, your friend. Really? He's, He's coming, coming in at right? two. We got a hard out. Oh wow! You guys, you guys are going to cross paths, which I don't think is a mistake. I don't think any of this I is love a mistake. Pete yeah. Um, but it was fun talking to you. Fun talking to you too. Thank you, Josh Radner. Yeah, thank you. Oh my God, so deep. <laughs> Bye. Now leaving Nerdist.com. 